edition of the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales, your host, call screener, call answer, technician, engineer, newsman, sports director, music director. That's what I used to do in radio, Paul. And of course, that's all right here at the Radio Ranch, People's Patriot Network. And it's the Wednesday edition, first one of 2020. And our good buddy and Kat, you're kind of a parent here, I guess, Paul. Now, hold on. What is it? Hold on. Something's gone wrong. Paul's supposed to be here. I'll see if I can clue him back in. Doc joined us, of course, right at the top of the hour here. So let me see if I can add Paul in and get him going. Uh, looks like that's the right one to push. Let's see if it brings him in. There he is, by gosh, I think, maybe. Anyway, Paul's going to be with us at some point, somehow. And uh, we'll kick the old Wednesday show off. We had not had one of these in two weeks, so uh, I don't even think I've spoken with Senor Paul over the holidays, quote-unquote, over Saturnalia. And so, happy post-Saturnalia. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Can I go now? <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like there's some things we probably should at least touch on. Uh, welcome back, Paul. I have to say, in all honesty, I've missed the Wednesday shows. I always look forward to these days and your perspective. And, boy, there's a lot of stuff going on since we were last together, brother. But my That's uh, most kind of it. Yeah, there is. There is. Uh, it's the 8th of January already. It's going to be I, 2021 uh, soon, isn't it? What's going on? I feel as I just got out of bed on New Year's Day morning or something. It's already a week's gone by. What's gone on? Outrageous. Yeah, yeah. man. And it's a, it's a crazy few days that have gone by, too. I, I think that what's on the tip of my tongue, though, that I want to promote right after, right as we get out the gate here, is uh, I saw a couple of real interesting videos pop up this morning. Boom, boom, boom. So I isolated them over there. With my orientation, the first one I went to was the uh, Jim, latest Jim Willie interview. And it's, uh, let me give the title because I left it up so I could promote it. Uh, Jim Willie, the Federal Reserve is buying everything in sight, in parentheses, part one. Uh, And what I really like about this is he goes into a super lot of detail on the background of the reset and and names the people's names inside the BIS that wrote these papers 30 years ago on the reset and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of real detailed background information with names there. And then he goes into the, uh, the whole repo uh, 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 catastrophe. They've added over a trillion dollars to their balance sheet in the last month and a half. Federal Reserve, and uh, uh, right. goes into why the reasons are happening, and it's it's very complex. As you know, these guys pull off their stuff with complexity, but boy, is it interesting. That's a really good interview. So I finished that, and I had a couple minutes here before the show, and I flipped over on the one that I very excitedly shot you the link to, Paul, right before we got on here, which appears to be, yeah. I'm a little bit into it, not much, but it's E. Michael Jones being interviewed by two renowned Kabbalists on anti-Semitism and the Jewish problem. 
and it's a very uh, to this point there's no shouting there's no nothing and they're they're trying the guy the capitalists are saying look we just want to go into this and see really why this is happening because somewhat objectively from what i've been able to take away so far and the name of that is and i'll i'll put both of these at the end of today's show description but the title of this one is e michael uh, no, Doctor, Doctor Michael, and this is the Kabbalist name, Latiman, L-A-I-T-I-M-A-N. I don't know if you've got that in front of you. Laitman, it's Laitman. It's pronounced L-A-I-T. Yeah, Doctor Michael Laitman. I know of him, of Laitman. <laughs> I've got a comment or two, maybe oh, that people are not well, aware of. With I'm only. I, I had a colleague here about ten years ago, and uh, he was half Jewish. Uh, this would be about 2007, 2008. And uh, he was into being a Catholic. Uh, I wasn't into either of these things, by the way. <laughs> Never have been. But uh, he was, uh, he made for a good conversationalist. And when I first started talking to him, uh, they were just steady, normal sorts of conversations. But as time went by um, and we discussed more things, he began to study Kabbalah. Uh, so the the Jewish side, and he looked very Hasidic, really, when I looked at him, but he was very sort of down-home sort of English guy in, in many ways. Um, and uh, he he started to study uh, Kabbalah under Lightman, Dr. Michael Lightman, and uh, was very keen for me to join him, and I was very keen not to. Um, not because it wouldn't possibly yield some benefits, but you've only got so much time and you have to decide where you, which furrows you're going to plow. Do you know what I mean? And that wasn't sure one that do. I was particularly interested in. Sure do. So, um, and I saw some clips and this guy, Lightman, holds these big online and, and real world teaching seminars on, on Kabbalism and Kabbalistic principles or whatever you want to call them in yeshivas and places like this in Israel and online. And so it has this very steady measured um calm delivery to him which you've just kind of mentioned i mean i've not even seen any of this however a few years ago and i don't know if you, you might have seen this clip in one of his seminars he is talking and i don't know whether he brings it up in this interview so it'll be interesting to see but the clip i'm thinking of is maybe four five six years old by now uh, but he's talking to a pretty large group of students and he all of them jewish and he's informing them that that they are basically aliens um, um, those are his exact words. And he's not doing it with hyper, hyperbole or with hilarity or as a sense of humor. He's been quite calm and straight about the whole thing. Uh, and that they are, uh, that they're effectively aliens. <laughs> and, uh, uh, whatever you might think about that word, you see, I'm not really bothered about whether it means that someone comes from the planet Zob or whether they come from around the corner. Um, I think you can kind of, you know, use that that old measuring stick by their fruits, shall you know them? And you can decide there and then whether being around people is in your best interests or not. So uh, the fact that he wants to call them aliens or whatever, it's fine by me. I, I'm not really not impressed or underwhelmed either way. Uh, but I just point it out. He, he's a revered figure, if that's the right word, amongst uh, Kabbalistic study groups. Um, and he's obviously an intelligent man. But whether his interests coincide with ours is highly dubious, I would suspect. Well, I think that's what they're trying to go into here. Now, let me give a little more background on the scene. And I just got to the point in the first six minutes where the two of them, because there's two Kabbalists here, some other guy from Europe that's some renowned international Kabbalist also. So it's two against one. 
okay? And yeah. they just asked Jones about the term anti-Semite, and he went into its origins. They were asking him, are you an anti-Semite? I think that was the opening question. And he went into the Mm -hmm. accurate definition of it and said, by that measure, I'm not. And that's where I had to stop to get onto the show. This this sounds like it's going to be one heck of an interesting interview. And it go, let me, you know, I'm having to look across halfway across the desk here. My eyesight's not great. Could you read, do you have that open in front of you or? Let me see if I can move the microphone. It's Dr. Michael Lightman, L-A-I-T-M-A-N, L-A-I-T-M-A-N, Dr. Michael, that way I spelled it, and Dr. E. Michael Jones discuss anti-Semitism. It should be a really, really good uh, 48 48 minutes so those are the two things yes. in my morning this morning that kind of i wanted to be sure and mention here at the start of the show lots of other stuff happening i guess so we'll probably lose some listeners here because i don't know if you know paul but uh president trump is addressing the nation starting at the same time we did a couple of minutes earlier on this situation which is more important roger well, I, I, Come was, on. I was really offended. why have people not got their priorities sorted that's outrageous quite frankly i was offended <laughs> when i heard that he was trying to one-up us here but uh regardless of that that is supposedly happening now let me see we've got two skype callers on and chris called and it won't attach you in if you got one skype caller and you call you can patch a phone in that's what i've learned See if I can go through the dog. Do- oh, here he is. He's easy to find. Okay. I'll tell you, they've really messed us up, Senior Paul, with this Skype thing. You never know from one day to the next how it's going to work. Anyway, Chris going to call in. We've got a president speaking on, uh, and I hope he approaches this with a little trepidation and not get sucked into the uh, in, in, into the Edomite game. I saw a very interesting uh, one of my friends actually from Argentina sent it to me. And it was a, a aerial view, you know, an overview of, of that part of the world. And Iran, as the country, was outlined and colored so you could see it. And around Iran were all of the U.S. bases. And there's probably 35 of them, okay, mm-hmm. on, every, on virtually every side, okay, right next yep. to each other. And it said, how dare Iran put their country around all our bases? <laughs> Yeah, I've seen, I've seen similar ones like that, but it's it's um, yes. So apparently, some missiles were sent over about twelve or fifteen hours ago, about twenty-two or something. I, I've now, read, but I've not seen anything. I wanted I to explore know. something that was dropped at the end of the show yesterday in the last segment. Captain Daryl called in as he's prone to do, and we were discussing this issue. And he said, "I I don't I don't delve into like you were saying a minute ago, which." Which furrow can you can you work? Yeah. Well, I don't dive into the minutia on all this stuff anymore. I keep up with it, obviously. But Daryl came on and said something that was very provocative. He said that, and I don't know where he got his information. That's what I'd like to find out, hopefully, for the end of the show today, because I think it's extremely insightful. How did they kill this Soleimani guy? Evidently, they set up some sort of a conference through the Saudis on some fake issue. The Saudis didn't show up except the missiles did. Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't that sound well, just we've only, like we've these only got bastards? their reporting to go on? Doesn't yeah. that sound just like these sorry? 
bastards. Well, it it does. I mean, I I'm trying to not get emotionally sort of wound into all these tales. I, I I'm just sort of I'm out of I'm out of deposits in my emotional um, deposit box to actually contribute back into the pool of madness. You know, I just don't want to do it anymore. Uh, it's exhausting. All, all that strikes me is there are many many uh, urgent jobs and tasks at hand uh, for America and for American people living in America. And what on earth has this got to do with any of it? Nothing. Well, that's it. You know, so all the piffle that comes around it, and there's, and we've been listening to this sort of stuff all over the world for decades. It's a nonsense. There's no reason to go in there and stick your nose into their business, is there? Um, and, of course, you know, the cover story always is, um, oh, well, these are, it's very important for the security of the nation, well, of is course, it? Uh, really? and, and it's the children. It's you for know. the children. Um, yeah, there was a, a, yeah. a, an article in the Venerable gray lady i believe they call her do you know who that is the venerable gray lady that's uh the new york it's an old newspaper is it new york times over the weekend that the driving force behind the trump impeachment was the arms industry because in that ukraine fiasco a while back that all the rest of the crap came out of (laughs) that he canceled a 300 million dollar weapons deal they were going to send to the ukraines which evidently was the seed they were going to try and go start this over in russia their preferred enemy yes. is Russia, although they got to get rid of Iran to accomplish Eretz. I believe it's E-R-E-T-Z. Isn't that how they spell it, Paul? Eretz, Israel, the greater Israel, where they take out Eretz, all of the yeah. threats. And Iran yeah. being the, 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 the Shiite stronghold and the supporter and uh, uh, logistics supplier for Hezbollah, Hezbollah and all of the problems they've given the little land stealing bastards uh and of course yeah this can this topical conversation i mean uh, at least around when i get around people i i'm uh, and it is coming up because of the iran situation this missile deal but the background of it is what i find people don't know jack doodly about okay and so and well then it's interesting the that you mentioned ukraine roger again I, I, the whole world's interesting man you can't put your finger anywhere it's not I've just done a quick search on something, and I had a choice between either going to the CNN website or the Guardian. So I, I chose the English liars as opposed to the so, American ones. So okay, you sorry about into that. The abyss. Uh, yeah, well, it was either way, you know. So, so, that's how <laughs> which, they like which to get direction you. you go. That, that's where they want to get that's you, right. right there. But but here's uh, read into this what we might. Um, not that I want to speculate too much; it's a waste of brain power. This is a story of an event happening today as well. Iran crash. So now there's oh, a yeah. plane crash in Iran. A, a right. Ukraine Boeing right. with 176 on board comes down near Tehran with everyone dead. And so, and, what's and that Tehran, about? Is well, that linked? To, well, Tehran won't. Why a Ukraine one? Well, that's very interesting yeah. and speculative. But mm. Iran evidently re- refuses to release any details on the crash, which would lead one to believe that it may have been their screw up. This time, remember that one years ago, 10, 15 years ago that they shot, we shot down out of the air when Iran's jet just kills 200 and something people over there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris did, I think, all... get on with us. Let me at least check in with him and make sure that we're communicable with him. Hey, Chris. 
Well, good morning, Paul and Roger. And yes, I there was the MH370 deal, the Diego Garcia thing that's popping yep. back in the news, yep. uh, that secret uh, Zio CIA base. So uh, the yep. world is a flutter. Well, they can. They've got all the B-52s over in Diego Garcia. Diego Garcia's got an incredibly interesting background, and it has to do, of course, with our British friends. That uh, I think that was originally one of your islands over there, and uh, it's been taken over and. Uh, let's just say there's a lot of nefarious stuff that runs through there. Now, listen, in, in this Jim Willie interview today, which I promoted earlier, and if you put doctor, let me see if they've got doctor up there or not, uh, but I think you can just put Jim Willie in the search engine, and this latest one will pop up. The Federal Reserve is buying everything in sight. He goes into, and this is from his subscription connections and subscribers people that are in good position, smart people that are feeding him information. He said the whole, he got a, a tip from a guy in Germany, said there's two bases, NATO bases, that run the majority of all the narcotics, and one of them's Romstead over there. And I don't remember the other, I think the other one maybe been in Italy. And um, But Romstead, he said he got a tip from a guy whose father works inside there and said that the drug procurement logistics have taken over priority of the weapons parts replacement. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I really encourage yeah. you all to listen to that Jim Willie. And, and when, you, when I say listen, you're going to have to listen. Because this guy that is interviewing him, is has only is a neophyte. He's only been aware of what's going on for about ten years, and he's a financial guy. And he's got some kind of a financial firm, it looks like to me. But it's hard to tell because he very he really doesn't hardly say anything for the whole forty eight minutes. He just lets he opens the tap and lets Jim run, and buddy, he runs down a bunch of stuff. I I really encourage folks that are interested, oriented in that area. That's one you don't want to miss. So those are the two mm-hmm. things that were bright to me this morning. On top of just being able to talk to Paul again, get our year really kind of officially sealed and started here, and it's going to be a real eventful one. You can tell by the way it started. I think so. I am, um, of course, from this neck of the woods as well, a very interesting event uh, I found interesting and rather uh, jolly and encouraging was um, uh, Ricky Gervais. Um, and his handling of the Golden Globe Awards. Are you, have you stumbled across the footage of that? <laughs> I got a piece of it. Well, I, I, you know, I just thought, marvelous. Well, you know, <laughs> 60 Minutes, 60 Minutes I, did a bit big expose on it Sunday night. And then on Monday night, Tucker Carlson had this uh, renowned, I guess the leading expert in the country, uh, a, a, a pathologist or forensic whatever, a coroner guy on. Yeah. And interviewed him, and they showed the noose, pictures of the noose. There's no blood on it, no nothing, you know. And then they showed pictures of the neck wound, which is about the first time I think I've seen those. And it just, it was a classic piano wire strangling, looks like to me. Oh, you're talking about Epstein, are you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, obviously, that was a part of Gervais' approach, but well, I just the, thought... That's the bit I got. I what I liked a, about it... Well, tell us about the rest of it, because no, I hadn't seen it. Oh, no, you need to see You need to see or hear the whole thing. It's seven minutes long. It's, he just... <laughs> 
he just has a go at them and they don't know how to behave i mean okay so is he bullying them he is a bit because he could get away with it but uh, this is the fifth year I think he's done it. And, and, of course, the idea of the snotty, arrogant Englishman certainly would come up, I suppose. And I think he's received that as a bit of criticism from certain sort of, you know, from fantastic certain... newspapers like the, Los, like the Los Angeles Times, of yeah, course, and things like this. But he actually he said during the speech, he said, um, I don't care. He says, I don't care. He says, I'm not doing this. I'm not coming back next year. I've had enough, basically. He'd done it five years in a row, and he just had enough. So... Um, He's some of the lines he uses are just fantastic. He said, Some of you, he said, does come up here and start making political speeches. He said, You don't even live in the real world, you haven't a clue what's going on. I mean, this is literally just sort of telling them straight up. And he said, Some of you have been to school for even less time than Greta Thunberg. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's really, it's fabulously awkward at times. It's wonderfully, it's toe curlingly awful. And that's what's brilliant. That's what he does. You know, people say, I don't find this funny, uh, what they do. But I, I know exactly for why. But it's just the most awkward and embarrassing. And he's the guy that will say stuff right into their face. And uh, he said, uh, he mentioned Epstein. He said, basically, he's one of your own. And they all made a noise. And he went, hey, I didn't do it. You did. It just, it's just nothing to do with me. It's you lot. So you've got to see it. Tom Hanks's face is like a prune turning inside out. It's hilarious to me. And I, I, I'm not against Tom Hanks or anything like that. But the actual truth of it is that these people have, uh, they're deluded, many of them. Oh. I mean, they're absolutely deluded. I don't dislike actors, got nothing to do with it. But the, the simple truth of the matter is they spend most of their life pretending to be other, more interesting people. Is the truth of it. <laughs> and so somehow something's gone to their head and they seem to think that they can hold court and that their insights are worthy of of everything because you know everything else that they've ever done has been worthy of everybody's attention so why shouldn't this and uh it just they would they just got a reality check from him and uh you know he's right these slimy stupid speeches that they make um but there were still a couple that cropped up i mean uh surprisingly not that I've seen them, but Russell Crowe and Kate Blanchett, both Australians, I understand that they were alluding to climate change as being the cause of these fires in Australia. Oh, yeah, that's which, of course, floating around. Mm, Although they arrested yeah. two. Well, the actual cause of the... the <laughs> yeah. Do you, go ahead, you must know the story. Go ahead. You, you, you let in. Well, I was, no, I was just going to say that, uh, although I, I can't really back this up fully, my instincts are... Um, shot to pieces possibly i don't know but what what it feels like is that the uh, the the real cause of the fires in australia are people who are pushing the climate change theory well they're uh, they're proving it uh, they're proving it by setting fires but also 200 have been arrested correct and very few photographs and of course they will be in inverted commas youths you get the drift of what I'm saying? Yeah. They are, you, there's no photographs of who's done it. Yeah. But the Australians are beginning to get a sense of who's doing this. And um, Australia's a, yet again, this massive bit of real estate. It, I mean, from east to west, it's as broad as America. It's massive, is Australia. It's yes. huge. And there's only 30 million people live there. Yep. I know that the great central bit is is basically uninhabitable currently. But with technology, all of it would be inhabitable. We could uh, absolutely, without a doubt, you know, there's no two ways about it, that rivers could be made to flow and forests could be grown there again uh, with with the right. correct organisation. But uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, a tremendously mad situation. And 
and it's just part and parcel of every single thing, it seems to me, being mustered, you know, to pummel the mind into, see, we told you the climate change. And you're just looking at these people going, they're just not going to stop. No. They're not going to stop cranking it up no. and bellowing and whining and no. whinging and, and no. not and substantiating they, any claim. And if they don't get their way and they can't get you to see their perverted view, they'll go over and things like hire people to start fires so they can come back to that and use that as an example. I mean, this is their everything yeah. they do, they do this way. And that's why Thomas Jefferson said in, in our founding documents that, Eternal vigilance, those two words, eternal vigilance, you always got to watch these bastards. And watching them ain't enough. You got to know their history and their tendencies and how they do things. Then you can cut their legs out from under them, then and only then. You can't do it otherwise because you don't understand how they work. Yeah, I mean, we're... To me, it just strikes me now. I'm having to find simpler and simpler ways to to communicate these things because not everybody's got. We can't just start communicating encyclopedia levels right. of information every Correct. time we want to talk about well, this Darryl, stuff. Just, Darryl, you just can't do it. Daryl you know. had a great one yesterday, as he often does. He came on here and said, "How did two planes knock down three buildings?" Yeah. Well, he's a pilot. He ought to know. <laughs> Didn't he tell you? But isn't that good? I mean, I see, would have told you. I keep getting stuff, <laughs> trying to get everybody to, to, to work on getting these things simplified. But back to, yeah. you know, the beauty of my But you see, no, it's interesting. No, actually, Roger, just sticking on that point, just looking at that, that's an example of something that I think is key. Um, you know, you and I now, and most of the people probably listening right now, have – uh, have a, pers- uh, a, a perspective, a level of information about that event, which in no way coincides with the established narrative. No way. Because it can't. Because we've just even asked a few basic questions. Anybody that starts to do that, you begin to come up with some very different answers, really. Or at least your mind is drawn into a totally different direction than the one they want to lead it in. And uh, so it's not so much about the facts. It's about this attitude that you've got, you've got an attitude, Roger. I've, I've been. You're not <laughs> the so, first to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, you've got one, mate. And so's uh, uh, everybody. You know, everybody that's got Daryl's got one, and I've got, and Chris has got one. People that call in here, people that listen. We've got an attitude. We've got. An, they would say we've got an attitude problem. Well, okay, from their point of view, it is a problem because we're questioning things. And I've noticed that in communication, and you will have noticed this is what I keep coming down to this all the time in terms of my current thinking. If when you were talking to someone about an event such as 9-11, and there are many more that we could use, um, but obviously it's a very prominent one within recent living memory, when you were talking about these things, in many cases, the compulsion to possibly add more facts and details nearly nine times out of ten never works because that at, they don't have an attitude problem like you do. <laughs> it's, a, it's something about attitude. It's not actually even about the facts or proving it. It's about a stance. It's about a curmudgeonliness that we have acquired in our Skep- later years, of course. But Skeptic- there's a, don't you think? Skeptic- Skeptic- Absolutely. I and why know. are they not? This is what I keep... Why Why are they not? Well, Good question. there's not- obviously the training on them has been considerable, that they've nodded to authority for so long that it's just become implicit in their attitude towards things. And that's really what one of the key parts that that is the struggle for us here is to get people to sort of, you know, dust themselves down a bit, wipe their glasses, metaphorically speaking, and where invite them say, "Do you want to look at this again?" No, of course, mostly they don't. But I, I think that that's 
it's a key thing. I keep coming well, down to it. And, you know, this this thing that we're, that's taking place globally in terms of simplifying it, like I was saying, and not giving encyclopedic approximations of it, I'm, I'm down to the point at the moment, currently my my sort of little theme for the week or until the, until the next one comes along, is is that we're really witnessing, those of us that can see it, a global protection racket. Yeah, it's exactly it's, what it's it is. It's that simple. It's exactly what It's just what a global... They say, you need a government to protect you from your enemies. We go, do we? Yeah. Who are they? Well, that's us, actually. <laughs> uh, but we're only going to tell you the ones. What, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We know you haven't had any trouble, but now that we're around, those government types, you're probably going to get loads. Really? Yeah, so you better pay us to make sure that you don't get trouble. It's just, it's an and that's really, it's all, that's, you know, it's exactly what it is. It's always, it's exactly what it is. Cause every time we ask for transparency on things, do we get it? Mm, and I no. don't think so. And you see, let me go back to where I was going to go a minute ago. That's what makes my information and what I've, this path I've walked for so many decades now. So damned important. It's not only the importance of the information, but it's what it shows you. It, it shows you your your path to freedom. It shows you some sanity because now you understand that all the the normal scene that the normal people look out at, the ones that are so t- so conditioned, as you say, Paul, is and they have to make r- rationales to make it make sense. We know it, what it is, how it's formulated, how it's structured, and how it operates, and the advantages that gives us, especially in dealing with our enemy, because this is the biggest hurdle they had to overcome. They had to get two things accomplished with all of this, and that was to put you in a position where you're under the control and jurisdiction of man-made laws. Okay? And the other half of it was to get you collateralized so they could use it as the base of the funny money system they knew they were going to use to accomplish all this confusion we see around us. And so now we know how they did that ultra complicated and if you looked at it a hundred years okay 150 years ago we're going to have this whole thing flipped we're going to be the head they're Mm -hmm. going to be the tail they're all going to be property they're not going to know it they think they're going to walk around and function as free individuals just like Goethe said there are none so helplessly and he used the adjective helplessly enslaved as those again adjective who falsely believe they're free and that is what they've achieved and if you looked at it and you wanted to try an accomplishment you'd probably wither with the uh, with the enormity of the task yeah they've pulled it off and how they've pulled it off shows you them naked naked as un, un uh, as regrettably the day they were born yeah yeah, it's um, well. They just seem to have got everything rolling all at once. You know, we barely, we barely come into the new year, and it's all gone bonkers. Well, and uh, they've got to do it, it because well, if it they has. don't, this is Gerald Salenti. When all else fails, they take you to war. They got to do this stuff. The impl- I mean, the the financial system. It's a miracle. Let me give you an example. Last night I checked as things escalated. Uh, when they were firing mm-hmm. the missiles and stuff, gold spiked up from the 1500s to 1620, and Bitcoin had jumped up to 83, almost $8,400. Okay, we had been languishing mm-hmm. the sevens and high sixes for a while. Well, this morning, yeah. gold's back down in the 1570s or 60s, and, but Bitcoin stayed. 
So uh, there's your there's your power right there in the face of all this, all the other news that they can take gold and knock it down overnight, forty fifty dollars. Yeah, well, these I mean, you know, those those sorts of movements and moments around events like this are, uh, are typical, obviously, aren't they? And they they do thing, but I think um, the impact of Mr. Trump's decision the other day um, is really bad. Um, and, you know, I've said it for a little while here, not that this makes me some profound seer. I don't, I'm not pretending to be that. I'm not alone. But all I see in very simple terms is, and I'm going to re- say it again, the guy that was on the hustings never turned up in the White Office, in the White House, I should say, sorry. He never turned up in the White House. He was obviously replaced by his evil twin somewhere in between getting elected and arriving there or something like that. And uh, all he's done is assist Israel, and uh, he hasn't assisted the Americans. That's it. He's trying, I think, to the best that he can. He's got hampered because if you didn't know till you got in there all the limitations that you were going to have to work under. And none of us can imagine what that may be. We know some of them, obviously, but we can't. Imagine I know. I mean, we've we've discussed it here. None of these guys are in charge. He's not in charge, right? So that there's there is basically a totemic position called the president of the United States, but but he's he's a president in name only. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. So really, wouldn't wouldn't the next level he, of questions be? Can is, you tell us exactly who's in control of things? He's the CEO in bankruptcy of a bankrupt entity in receivership and the IMF pulls the strings. Chris, you were trying to say something? Well, this has been troubling me for quite a long time. You know, I never bought any of the nonsense that we had 17 different conservatives running for the president when Trump uh, supposedly got the position. I always maintained that they were always imposter conservatives, left-wing extremist actors posing as conservatives. And now to exacerbate the situation, what we're seeing is Trump has, whether he's surrounded himself or people, his trusted insiders have said, oh, yeah, this guy is the one you want to provide you information. Oh, yes, uh, Pompeo is who we want to have as Secretary of State to replace Hitlery. You put these bad actors, the enemies of the president in there, and they've got the perfect position to give him guidance, direction, intel that is fatally flawed and dramatically adverse to his portrayed position. And then they can set him up by having him fed lies and untruths and false information, telling him, oh, yeah, we got to kill this guy right now. He's killed thousands of people. Trump didn't do any due diligence. He just buys the lies of his intel guys. And never mind that Pompeo had been over there with Bibi Netanyahu in the sandbox just a day or two before they come back with this, we got to kill Soleiman uh, ruse to drive him into the insane position of murdering this man with a Predator drone missile and claiming that it was because of the attack on the contractor, never defining what the contractor was, that the contractor was, in fact, some sort of a military special operations guy or uh, undercover private contractor hit squad over there themselves, probably creating all kinds of chaos and travesty and doing attacks on the Iranian government themselves. And they were really just defending themselves by taking these 
hired hitmen out, these contractors, as we're told, that we're claimed to be American. We don't even know what this guy's name is. Well, let's take that back a couple, at least 100 years. For 2,000 years, Jews, Arabs, and Christians lived very peacefully side by side in that part of the world. There was no problems of any note until these damn Zionists started moving in. And it's been a living hell for those people over there, and some cases an unliving hell for the last 100 years. It really started in the 1920s, didn't it, Paul? Historically, when the when they really started sending a lot of the refugee ships in, they're getting their toeholds and stuff. Well, it would have been around then. Obviously, it'd been building for quite a while. But you see, I think that the thing the thing is obviously enmeshed in so many terrible ways. And I think uh, you know Chris's points are valid. The the, the whole thing is uh, it's a, an extremely complicated script-written pantomime that, we, yep. that we're looking at. Yep, yep. It, it can't be anything else. I mean, it, you know, what should he do? I mean, and this is the thing, we're never really going to know. Is he under personal threat? I would have thought so. Well, he's got, his, because... he's, got his own, he's got his own security team on top of the government-supplied security team. That may be why he's still alive. Yeah, it, it, may, it may well be. Um, and then we have this supposed farce called the impeachment process, which is now taking disappeared off the headlines for a bit. Might come back, I suppose. Uh, you know, when the news cycle is running a bit slow, let's get some uh, another drama going to absorb everybody's energy and attention on all of these pointless things. But one of the key planks that he communicated regularly was no more wars for Americans. Correct. We're going to bring everybody home. Now, this is just. This is an appalling thing that he's done to himself. He should have resigned if he was under compulsive orders to do this. He should have just quit. You, well, I would never do what he's done. What he's done, he's just, it's so out of order. Uh, it's a stain that he'll carry for a long time, you know, uh, not just this lifetime. This is, this is a really bad thing that is. people are doing. I, I am of that view. Did you see the headline you know? uh, this weekend? Even the head of the CFR said the net World War III is a worldwide theater. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think World War Three has been going on for quite a while. Well, it um, it's just not in a form that we readily identify. Right. You know, it's a series of the, ongoing. Yes, yeah, the like, setup yeah. to World War Three has been going on for a while. And yesterday we likened this, as I heard someone do, and I thought it was provocative, to the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand back in 1917. Yeah, it's yeah. very similar it in many ways. These are theatrical events. Yes, a person is killed, so it's a, a real event as well. But they have a degree of melodrama about them. They have a degree of uh, storytelling, the good guy and the bad guy and the bomb and all this kind of stuff, whichever side it's on, right? Um, meanwhile, 176 people died on a plane today in Iran. Bang. So, and it but it's was, what we are to it, have our attention drawn to. But it wasn't you know? Boeing's fault. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's 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 the claims that they make. That someone asked. I mean, Boris Johnson was doing Bojo. Prime Minister's Question Time this Bojo. morning, and I caught a bit of it on the radio. And Jeremy Corbyn, who's this, you know, the the man that got his bottom right right royally kicked during the election. Yeah, well, he's still there at the thing, you know, defending Iran and this, that, and the other. But the fact is, it's difficult. Everybody wants to sort of be on a side. This is, there's a compulsion for people to be on sides. 
But the, the fact is that the truth is spread across all over the place and the lies are everywhere. Uh, and every now and again, a bit like broken clocks, even Jeremy Corbyn will speak the truth, even if his track record in certain regards is idiotic, you know. Uh, and one of the commenters was saying, all Corbyn seems to be concerned about is people who are the enemies of Britain. I'm going, they're not our enemies. <laughs> you, if they are, then you made them that way. What, what's going on? Uh, and and the other thing, of course, uh, where we're not supposed to look too much, but I think in terms of the orchestration of the conflict in so many ways, is here we are in Europe with an ever-growing Islamic population. Is it wise... Is it, is it really wise to be involved in bombing and killing Islamic people in another part of the world? Is it? Um, it strikes me as being a bit dense, really. Provocative. I think <laughs> really provocative. Dense. Unless, provocative. unless you had a plan. Yeah. yeah. Unless you had a plan that was not necessarily the plan you'd communicated to the population, but was another plan that was more important to you, which, which is generally the case. So... There's so many aspects to how everything is being colossally mismanaged, and we're in a protection racket, and the people that rule over us are not of us. Even if they may be racially of us, they're not of us. That they, they've, they've removed themselves from the basic simple things that we need to have covered. It's... Maybe they're just bored with life or something. They just have to have a war or something. I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm being flippant, really. I know that there's a lot more to it than that. But it's, um, it's hard to envisage everybody just chilling out. Can everybody go? I mean, this is all I keep coming back to my mind. Can everybody go home? You do your own thing. Don't start running around dropping bombs in somebody else's country, okay? Just Rodney, back off. Right. Does the, does the name Rodney King ring a bell with you paul i know of that incident yeah yeah why the beating that he took that was why, televised why can't we all just get along <laughs> well we can't because we're all living on the same bit of real estate no nature we can't, don't go for that. we could all get along were there not people intentionally provocationally setting up situations where we don't get along yesterday at lunch uh, we had a real good, we hadn't had, because Tuesday was New Year's and Christmas Eve, so our place wasn't open. So we hadn't gotten together for lunch as an expat group here for over the holidays. So yesterday, yep. everybody got together, and there's a big group, 19. I was a little late, and, and I got the tail end seat down there, but it was a good group. And uh, one of my buddies uh, that's a big LSU fan guy that I really like, uh, we hadn't seen him in a while, and he, was, he rides down from Quito with one of the guys that's the retired State Department official, who I really like, by the way. And uh, yeah. so at the end, we were having a little kind of more intimate conversation, the three of us, and Dodd and I wanted to talk LSU football and stuff, and we got into some of these. Uh, and we're talking, he goes, Burrow, is that that guy? This is the, uh, the State Department guy. He said, is that that guy I saw gave the Heisman speech that moved me so much? You know, we said, yeah, and got into that. Anyway, obviously, we got around to a little bit of politics, and, and Dodd is Pakistani. He moved to the States when he was mm -hmm. young, and, and so he was in pharmaceutical sales his whole life. He's a real good guy. And um, he says, well, let me tell you this. And he starts in on the Jews. <laughs> Whatever it is, they're out there to divide this and that and set people against each other and all that. And then and, and something came up about the blacks. And I said, well, you know, every head of the NAACP, the guy behind the scenes, this chairman of the board, has always been a Jew. 
and the the state state department guy is shaking his head he said well i don't know about that you know and and it's that skepticism you were alluding to earlier comes totally from him on all these issues and it's like well Mm -hmm. you know just go check the facts i mean you can find them you might have to work a little bit to get them and get through all the uh, intentionally misleading stories, but the truth's out there if you want to dig deep enough these days. Internet's a pretty wonderful thing for us. So anyway, it was just an example of that yesterday and uh, of people from that ilk, you know. And like I said, this guy, yep. his name is Lars. His first name's Lars. And he hadn't lived in the States, and he told me 30, 30 years or something. From California out there, so that adds a little bit to his uh, uh, viewpoints. We're born and raised out there on the coast. But uh, if you met this guy, just met him and talked to him, you'd walk away and go, damn, that guy'd make a real good diplomat. I mean, he's real slick, man. But he's a real likable guy. And uh, one of these days, we'll get on a point. I haven't forced anything on him. But we'll get on a point and say, well, let's sit down and look at some facts. I got a document from your ex-employers that states exactly what I'm saying. On the on their stationery, on their website. I mean, aren't you prone to believe them? So we'll see how that progresses. I don't try and force this down anybody's throat anymore. I lay it out there in a bait, in a simple, provocative kind of way, in one way or another in the conversation, and just say, if you want to find out more, get a hold of me. Meh. Mm. Yeah. It's easier to yeah, pull a I rope. Think- it's easier to pull a rope than it is to push a rope. And as Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool a man than to tell him he's been fooled. Well, it is. It is. Why can't we all just get Get along? along. Thank you, Rodney. Uh, Listen, let me ask you about somebody else. How's Fletch doing? He's not over there in the middle of all that crap, but still, is he moving back and forth from the Philippines? What's going on with that boy? Ah, you mean Dennis Fletcher? Yes. Yes. Um, I think he's in the Philippines now. Okay. He moves around like a global firefly. I never know quite where he's going to be next. I think, um, yeah, he's been hopping back and forth from between the Philippines and the Middle East. It's quite, I, I, you know, it's quite my, an exotic life from, uh, in comparison to my slightly humdrum thing of moving from the kitchen to the studio, which is my garage each day. <laughs> that, that's my commute. But no, not for him. He's sort of zooming around huge distances, and he's welcome to it. It's not, kind know, of, it's not something that would necessarily appeal to me. Things tell me that that part of the world's probably not a good place to be in right now. I don't know. Maybe that's just a little premature, but that my sense Mm. we don't know do we really (laughs) we just don't we don't know um it's difficult they seem to be making every every part of the world a difficult part to live in for all sorts of if they want to i don't know what trump has said i guess he's speaking now somebody's listening to it call in and give us a synopsis or we can read about it or watch the video of it later but if this thing escalates and they close the Straits of Hormuz with this financial system and the skyrocketing price of gold and the repercussions of it, Katie bar the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your ships are being escorted through there now with your Navy. Do you know that? No, no, I, uh, I, I wasn't aware of that. So uh, interesting, interesting times. That's the old Chinese curse, you know, may you live in. Interesting times. 
I'd like to. I think. I mean, I think you know. There's there's going there's plenty more drama yet to come. Oh, oh without a, without a question, we got an election year this year. We got an economy that's about to fall off the cliff. We got this group that's trying to start everything, make Trump look bad, go against all his campaign and everything that's happened right here as we go into the few last final months, because there is no opposition. I mean, I the 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 the, uh, the quality of candidate that the Democrats have been able to even get a shot at the spotlight is the most abysmal collection of individuals I've ever seen them bring forward, ever. I mean, it goes back to mm-hmm. when they didn't have anybody to run but poor old limp, limp-arm Bob Dole against yeah. Clinton. No, they're, they're not looking too good. We, we've got a similar sort of situation over here in many ways because um, uh, many of the Labour MPs now, possibly you know those that got seats or whatever, a couple of hundred of them, um, but the whole of that party is sort of in freefall, which means it's ripe for the takeover yeah. by something organised. I mean, they, seriously, didn't they have in that but, election um, some of these traditional Labour strongholds that hadn't gone Tory in a hundred years that went Tory this time? That's right. Yeah. Basically, I mean, that's almost like no one's mentioned it. I haven't seen it mentioned too much, but um, when Tony Blair's mob uh, moved in and created this thing called New Labour, all you have to do is add the word new to something and everybody sure. thinks, oh, it's totally new, different. Improved right. and, but new it was, improved, actually. New, improved, and the word free are three of the strongest words in the language. Yeah. Yeah. New, new Labour appealed to the social justice warrior in all of the. Um, upwardly aspiring, guilt-ridden middle classes uh, who seem to think that everybody should be helped out and that we can just do everything for everybody forever um, because it doesn't affect them, you know, the ones that live in the gated communities. I'm using that as a figure of speech. We don't really have too many of those over here, but you get the idea. They live in these sort of liberal enclaves, uh, like in a little bubble, and don't really know what's taking place outside of it. It's the same with the BBC employees. This is part of the problem is that they're absolutely convinced about what they're saying for the simple reason that they're unaware of any opposing sort of and countervailing views. They don't, they're not aware of them, literally. The ivory tower you know. perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's got worse, of course. People, I think, you know, inter, this is part of the internet communications issue or an aspect of it is that people are only hunting down things that generally agree with their viewpoint and are hostile massively, almost yes. to the point of violence, you know, yes. against anything that goes against it. And and the idea of considered timely discussion has taken a back seat. It won't go away. It will come back. But at the moment, the, the, the rabid, you know, outburst has been sort of predominant in public discourse for a long time. And uh, it's not particularly – it doesn't breed much wisdom or intelligent decision-making, as we well, can see. So yeah, – You know what sorry. the problem I – experiences is they're so brainwashed just like Uri Brezhnikov or that KGB defector said when he was interviewed by G. Edward Griffin back in the 80s he said when they get to that third stage you can put facts in front of people and they do not have the ability to recognize it now Daryl's trying to call in here I got to get you back big Daryl and that's what I see okay and 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 I had an incident over the weekend here with our with our local group 
that uh, uh, just epitomized it. it. It continues to be reinforced in my mind that it goes back to mm-hmm. the biblical verse of either they have a love of the truth or I'm going to send them strong delusion. They'll believe the lie. That's where it really boils down to is that simplistic yes, statement it does. right there. I mean, really. It does. It does. It does boil down to that. And I think if you can, if you do have a love of the truth, and you have spent time with others that also have that love, and then you come across somebody that doesn't. It's, you know, it takes many, many times of being exposed to those sorts of people for me to get it, (laughs) to get that they're not going to get it. Because there's a part of us that's optimistic. I think, no, no, surely they're going to see this. Yeah. Surely they're going to be able to consider it. Surely they they might even. These are facts. Yeah, I'm I'm not even looking for people to agree with me necessarily. You know, can you you change history? These are historically established facts. Dear Yassoon, the the attack on the USS Liberty, the Levon affair. Mm -hmm. These are established historical facts. Ignore them. You want to overturn them. Daryl's got us on here. We mentioned his name enough, and, and he got got so darn aggravated he called in. Hey, man, I had to call him back, of course. How you doing there, Captain? Of course. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Good morning to everybody. Paul, Roger, Chris, and uh, Kate Hall. Yeah. So. Um, Did you hear us I, talking I just, about this I, latest E. Michael Jones interview I stumbled onto this morning? Did you catch any of that? No, I I, uh, I actually just got back in the shop after doing some errands. I was, um, I, I think I missed a little bit. Well, he yeah. he is against two world-renowned Kabbalists in a discussion on what is anti-Semitism. I'm just into the first six minutes, and the show came up, but it sure looks provocative. Well, I uh, it uh, I. I I look forward to seeing E. Michael Jones in a word fight with uh, with our uh, chosenites. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, quite uh, <clears throat> quite elucidating. Uh, I, I just got really one thing to say about this whole Iran fair. Uh, I have a song here. It says, "Jose, can you see where Iran used to be?" No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, well, they better hope not. It's a hit. They I'll don't buy want to it. Blow when, it away. when can I they, get the record? They don't want to blow it away. They want the oil. You know, there was an interesting story that came out. If you didn't have some of the background, you'd never caught the irony of it. But after they kicked the Shah of Iran out, they had all kinds of active contracts with Israel. And after the Shah of Iran got dethroned, Israel reneged on $200 million they owed them in these contracts. They took it to some international courts, and Israel still refused to pay. They got ruled against. I mean, that's the mentality of these bastards. Uh, well, they, they got Jude. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they got Jude out of it. Well. Yeah. All right, so... I, this is this is just no. low hanging fruit. I'm sorry. I'm, I, this is just it very is. It is. sort of crass and banal of me. It, <laughs> I know. I, I hope the rest I, of the year is not going to be like this, Daryl. <laughs> Shocking. Right. Hell, it's early in the year. I, I, You're starting I, as you mean to I, go I, on. I, just, I see. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 trying to. You know, you know me. I'm just trying to turn this into the ditch. You know. Uh, <laughs> But listen, Paul, I, I was I was picking up what you were saying there uh, the last uh, ten fifteen minutes before I uh, I called in there. And uh, listen, I, I think it's important for people to sort of uh, realize a couple things uh, that, that are consistent with what you're talking about. Is that uh, 
whoever you are and wherever you live, uh, whether it be uh, uh, Britain, England, uh, the States, uh, wherever, when you live in a, a corrupt and rigged system, you become stupid. I just want to repeat this. People who live in a rigged system become stupid. They believe, they start to believe the BS, and they're, they're subsidized and protected by attaching their affiliations to the rigged system. And, and uh, I'm stating the obvious here, but I can't overemphasize it enough. And uh, uh, I was listening to, uh, I think, a really good example of this is this cat named Dave Janda. He has freedom something or other. And he was just like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I ran bad, and we need to do this and all that. And, and I, I'm thinking, you know, listen, you, I, I knew you were a goober. I knew it, and and now you're proving it. And uh, uh, this is a deep state operation. I've stopped. Okay, this is this is the shadow government. I was and, real and high. You're 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 supposedly yeah you're supposedly against all this shadow stuff, but but this is a this is a shadow ops operation. Right. Okay. This is just how. When I, uh, you know, Daryl, when I stumbled onto him here about a year ago, I had real high hopes for that guy there initially because of some of the things I saw him saying on the air and his facial, because you got the video with it. But I have since gotten to where I don't pay attention to him anymore. Uh, and yeah. because it is yeah. the same regurgitated, regurgitated stuff. When I sent him all my information, said, you want to know, you want a deep dive? Here's a deep dive for you. And it'll answer all the questions. And I've never, of course, gotten a response from any of those guys on those unsolicited uh, emails. Can I... Uh, I mean... Uh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Well, I want to play Lazarus, raise the alleged ghost of uh, Jihadi John McCainanite and his buddy uh, Jihadi John and, of course, their buddy Lindsey Graham oh, and their favorite songbird, G.I. John McCain, uh, or... And his song, Bomb, 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 Ran. Uh, this is all we're hearing again. This is the same song, Eric. just a different tune up there calling the shots. I think it's uh, Pompeo and Bibi Netanyahu who called the shots right now, along with John Bolton and Lindsey Graham, who's the uh, quintessential actor conservative. He's found a, a new role to act a little more conservative, but he's still singing the same tune. So yeah. it's a... Just a mass cruise to confuse the people. Well, the guy that wrote the tune he's singing is your fellow Clark Countyan, okay, out there, Sheldon Adelson, and his bunch of damn liars, murderers, and thieves. But they need to change the name of the tune from Bomb Bomb Iran to Eretz, 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 Eretz Israel. That's the tune we're playing. Secure the area and get rid of your biggest enemy. That's the tune we're playing. Here, here. I, I like the old Vietnam song. There, there's an old Vietnam song that goes, uh, one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't know, don't give a damn. Next stop is Iran. Country, <laughs> and and country Joe and the That's Fish. The Thank you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, hey, Paul, I got a question for you. Ooh, um, it, it's uh, uh, mm-hmm. It goes back to a movie back in... Uh, 
the early uh, 2000s here. It was called Wag the Dog. Did you ever see oh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not. No, I'm not familiar with that. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Dustin this, Hoffman yeah, was in perfect. it. Wasn't uh, Dustin Hoffman in that? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, Hoffman and the, the, the psycho weirdo De Niro and, uh, and a bunch of the, uh, the same of the, the, you know, the regular cast members. But it was a real, actually pretty, pretty informative movie in regards to uh, how they uh, construct and manufacture consent and, uh, and obfuscation. And uh, they, they make a joke out of it, uh, but it's, uh, what makes it funny is it's true. It's, it's what Bill Clinton did when he uh, was, was, was not having oral sex with, uh, Monica Lewinsky that, that and he, he got impeached. That woman. He, he, he starts bombing aspirin factories in the Sudan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. And, uh, so this is, uh, I, it's all rather, it's all rather obvious to me here, uh, because this, this, uh, uh, this, you know, don't take this personal, Paul, but this goes back to British geopolitics, okay? Oh. This is, uh, I'm sorry, but this is, this is, you this knew, is Alfred. You knew Hitler. we were going to get it back to you eventually. He's you? always having a go at me just because I run the British Empire. I don't bloody know. Well, I, I, I mean, listen, you, you live next door to Tavistock. I, I, you know, I, I got nobody. Yeah, it's down the road. Yeah, it is, you know. Yeah. Regular you know, stop. Really, I can't go to uh, the Philippines. Is, I'm so busy back home. <laughs> it's a but, regular yeah. stop for yeah. Paul, you know, on his regular routine. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, there's a there's a reoccurring theme here all throughout. There's a whole there's a whole line and a string here from uh, you know uh, most obviously starting with Lawrence of Arabia and uh, Balfour and coming forward. Uh, th- this is. Uh, uh, you know, I, I look at the uh, the impeachment dossier, and it comes out of uh, Steele, uh, MI six chief. You know, it's uh, it, you know, there's just this this underlayer of uh, just ongoing and continuing uh, British Con- geopolitics. Conspiracy yep, underlayer <laughs> of conspiracy theory. Here, let me give you the synopsis of Trump's speech. Iran, quoting here, Iran appears to be standing down, unquote. Trump signals further sanctions and NATO engagement. And then the quote attributed to the article is, as long as I'm president of the United States, notice he doesn't say United States of America, as long as I'm president of the United States in a bankruptcy, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Well, it looks like that. It looks like Trump has taken the political expedient and smart, actually, way out of this uh, and, and putting a hold on it and not escalating it. And I'm sure that's got the, the gremlins in the background absolutely, totally infuriated and frustrated. Charlie Wilson's well, war. It's going, to make, it's going to make some Jews mad and some Jews happy. And to uh, tell you the truth, I have a hard time keeping them separate. Because they all look alike, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was I was supposed to be a joke. No, it is. I get that. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. I look. What's going on? It's just mad. It's just some drama. We've been distracted by something, but uh, some blokes lost his life. You know, the guy. Oh, a lot of people well, are dead yeah, now, aren't yeah, they? So yesterday, um, something came up about this afterwards, and this new guy was here. We had a number of new people yesterday, and uh, this new guy's there, and he's sitting next to me. 
and and he I don't care they, he killed people he needed to die. Well, I didn't escalate it. I could have. I could have said, well, how many people have we killed over there? <laughs> you know, isn't that on the other side of the world from us? How come these I know, people it's such can a live for pattern that, oh, that you know when Daryl when you were just talking about Dave Jander making that that similar sort of comment in the same vein. I'm I, I'm going really. <laughs> You, really, you're still going to make a comment like that? I mean, is it as if no information has ever been put into the public domain that you could have consumed to adjust the way you re- respond to these things? They're like, it's... Well, I like to it's go very, back to, like, Daryl's. I don't yes. know what to say it is, but it's de- is it depressing? I don't know what it is. It's kind of, you know, many pundits are intelligent people, and yet they just go into autopilot... Uh, emotive response yeah, well, mode. You, well, you know just go, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> America good, everybody bad. Okay, well, not necessarily all the time. Sorry. Don't work like that. You know. Right. Um, but this is their conditioning kicking in. Well, it's they, like... They, they talk about go, critical go. thinking and objectivity, and as soon as their, their uh, reptile brain is stimulated, uh, they go into uh, this emotional yep. response, and and this is exactly what it is. And they, they don't have, there, there's no separation between the stimulus and the response. And uh, I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and take a, a few cracks at Mr. Janda because he reminds me of a lot of doctors I used to be around when I was teaching them to fly. And, and, and believe me, i got to tell you, uh, if you're impressed with these people, uh, you need to spend some time around them. Uh, there's no, uh, he, he, he really thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And and if you listen long enough, he'll tell you that he is. And uh, so he, he's a great example of having um, active amnesia. I would call it active amnesia. Uh, so um, I uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I had something else I was going to say about that, but uh, maybe it'll come back to me. Well, let me I'm getting go. older. Let me go where uh, I was going a minute ago, Daryl, because I, I gave you some credit this okay. morning on your statement yesterday because it stuck with me, and I thought about it several times since well, I yesterday. forgot what I said. Well, I said, you said several things I thought that were important yesterday. One is how do two planes bring down three buildings. But I'm glad you're with us because in that oh, line yeah. of thought, it stimulated me because it was you that made the comment yesterday that they set up Soleimani with a fake meeting with the Saudis to know where he was so they could kill him. Where did you get that information? Uh, that was, uh, I first heard that uttered uh, by uh, Doc, uh, the guy that goes by the name of Doc on right. uh, Rick Wiles' okay. uh, news broadcast. Okay. True he, news. He, I heard didn't, that. he didn't yeah. attribute a, a, a source to that? Or was he speculating? Uh, no, he he did have a he did have a source to that uh, that there uh, there had been that I'd have to go back and review the uh, the audio on that uh, that particular broadcast two days ago. I might be able to provide a little bit of illumination on that. Uh, there's a source from the Middle East called Syrian Girl that's been popping oh, yes. up on right. Alex Jones every once in a while. And uh, she's pretty much a free-range asset, from what I can determine, uh, not forging an agenda, just actually no, reporting is. the plain facts and has good intel sources on the ground. Correct. Uh, that's very, and, and she's one of the ones that was pointing out that uh, Soleimani was actually a highly revered top general. He had been a people's 
candidate that just was wildly loved by the people. Yep. He had been a pre-CIA agent asset going back fighting against ISIS and uh, all these other so-called cut-out terrorist groups of uh, John McCain's and uh, the whole group of U.S. Zio people over there that are stirring all these things up and these occupy these Soros groups and other CIA assets that are trying to start these fires in the Middle East to complete the PNAC uh, five countries in seven years plan. And so she was really quite on point. And this was the whole thing. It was a big setup. He was lured into a zap a trap uh, where the spiders just jumped right out of the sand and they had a predator drone. And I think either they planted something in the car, a transponder or on him or somebody else to send it up as kazoo. And they knew where this guy was going. And right. the, the airbox boys couldn't get it, but it was suits their agenda to have Trump jump in with both feet to take this guy out and do the Obama dance up there, claiming how he killed everybody over there. And then they can blame Trump for what they wanted done, and they can accomplish two objectives. Let's, let's speculate now, a little bit. Didn't, didn't Pompeo okay. go over to Israel and meet with Netanyahu immediately oh, for yeah. a couple of days before this happened? Didn't that happen? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Then, then it's a it's a Mossad set up. Netanyahu had all the information. They brought Pompeo over there and sat down and ran it across him and told him how bad he was and how to brief Trump. And then they went ahead and pulled the trigger on the guy to start all this. It's obvious. Well, how, this is how they do things. Let me add something else here. There's a program that was running when Trump was running for election on RBN over there on Stadnoy's show. And, you know, sometimes the guy's pretty good, and other times he stinks to high heaven. Other times he seems like he's an adjutant prop and a water boy for Trump. And last two days, he's been, oh, yeah, Soleimani killed all these hundreds of people, thousands of people. He, he was a bad terrorist. He needed to be killed, so on and so forth. Trump did what he had to do. This is BS. They're repeating the same meme of John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and all these people who are telling Trump that he's a great war hero because he took out this terrorist dictator general over there when nothing could be further the truth. He's a former asset. He's been thrown under the bus. He was a pain in Israel's butt. And they got Trump to do their dirty work and take him out and take the blame for it and give him another pretext for impeachment. Yep, and another, another foothold possibly into the war they want so badly. And, you know, I think that they know the repercussions of that, but yet their their myopic drive on this Eretz Israel and to get this whole damn Jewish agenda accomplished is so overriding that even it overrides the good sense of destroying the entire world to accomplish their damn agenda. That's the type of maniacs these people are. You want to use the word fanatic in a proper identification sense? Tag it to these guys. Well, have you noticed yeah, as well, well uh, you know, these, sorry, sorry, Daryl. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say in all the reports, and not just with this incident, but, uh, you know, any any sort of incident around this arena, we get these um, organizations mentioned like ISIS and if you actually look at the context in which they're mentioned, uh, it changes all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's a movable definition used to to get the dramatic impact across. 
you know, uh, ISIS is what the Israeli intelligence services, isn't it? As far as I'm aware. I mean, what is it? That's right. So it's, you know, isn't it, isn't it that it, it, uh, what is it? And, and, and all we get is the name. There's no history of it. There's no sort of common, this is what it is. And these guys set it up and no, there's none of that because that would make it difficult for future storytelling. So it's dropped in and out, you know? So one day it will be good to attack ISIS. The other day is that they will be our allies, apparently in something or other. It's a nonsense. The whole thing is if, mad. You know, if, so you I had, if I had a world of my own, everything would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And what it is, it wouldn't be. You see? Yeah. That sounds good. That yeah, sounds you're good. quite good at that. That's good. You might have a voiceover role yeah. coming up. Tom Hanks <laughs> is out of a job now. Tom Hanks is going to be out of a job. So you, you've got to audition for the Toy Story version of whatever they're going to do with that. So that's good. That's good. Roger. I do, I do like a good. That. I do a real good Humpty Dumpty too. Yes, Chris. But I, 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 I look, want to hear you. Can you do Shrek? <laughs> well, I was no. To, I was going to add uh, layers. Along the line. Ogres have yes. layers. <laughs> yes, layers. That's what we're talking about, Paul. And this is what they did. Like you said, they had ISIS. Uh, Israeli secret intelligence site. I is us. ISIS yeah. is us. Then they had Al Nusra or Nusra Ra, the noose of the sun god Ra. Then they had Al Al Shabad or El Shabad, which is a takeoff on Hanna Barra's El Shabong of, the, <laughs> of their cartoon series with Quick Draw McGraw and Baba Louie. Uh, I mean, you got a bunch of grown ups that grew up on cartoons that are trying to play cartoon names and twist them into Arabic or Middle Eastern names and come up with these so-called terrorist groups. And I think these guys are all working for the CIA or their no, policy Masai. group think, Masai. and coming up with this nonsense. You know, another incident, by the way, the, on your ISIS, and so you may remember that initially they called it ISIS, and then the incident that changed it was it was on uh, Israeli television when two evidently pretty scholastic, recognized, and, and respected guys from universities came on talking about it, and they laid it out there that ISIS stands for Israeli Secret Intelligence Service, and the next day it was changed to ISIL. The next day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've got good PR departments. You know, I can make a few names up as well. We should get stuck in, really, yeah. and just start making up our own organizations. You could probably make one up, run it through loads of news stories, and in about 18 months everybody would think it'd be real. That's probably what is going on, you know. That's why you got I mean, on. That's um, why the, the, the that, basics and the details are so important and the facts, the basic facts to understand in any of these arenas we're talking about here because of what well, we they, they, re, they rely, Roger, as well. You know, these, these words – that, you know, I don't like triggering, but let's use it. It relies upon us filling in the gaps, and, and they need us to do that, and we do do that. That's part of the conditioning process. Sure so you're given a framework, and then your imagination is fed, and you go, oh, yeah, ISIS, I bet that's enormous. And you know, when you, But when you stop and think about it, you go, well, these countries have a bit of a problem organizing themselves, but they seem to be jolly good at organizing instantaneous terrorist organizations at the drop of a hat. How, how, how come they're so good at that, you know, according to the Western media reports? To my knowledge, so I've, I, there were no Arab terrorist attacks until after Dier Yassoun. No. And at that point, they realized who they were up against, they realized their position, and they were going to have to revert back to the same tactics. The 
there is no there's no reason at all for American troops to be in the Middle East at all. Like you know, the other oh, no. one that came up, and I don't know if we've discussed this very much with you, Paul, is the bombing of the King David Hotel. And there's been a lot of a lot of interviews yeah. of some of the people that were involved in that. In fact, I saw one a while back, a few months ago, where the gal, what they did was they went in and there was a bar in the bottom of the King David Hotel. And a couple of these Jews went down there, started spending time drinking coffee or whatever and watching the comings and goings and figured out how they moved stuff down on that sub-basement floor. And then they, on the outside team, spotted the door where they brought stuff into the hotel. It was a ramp down the, into the basement. And that's what they used. They dressed up like Arabs. They filled that truck with all kinds of those uh, milk, 50-gallon milk containers full of explosives. And they went down and took over and uh, uh, overcame a few people that saw what was happening there and moved those in and set them up to explode, let's say, 15 minutes. And then they left. And they had one girl, and she was interviewed. Okay, they interviewed her. She's almost part of the gang. And my job was, when I got the word, to go down a couple of blocks to this little store that had a phone and call them and tell them there was a bomb in the basement. And that's how they rationalize it. Oh, we, get, we called mm -hmm. them and told them. Okay, so that was the real down to the earth on how that thing was set up. Was what, 147 people or 100 and something People, mostly British yeah. officers, killed, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, something well, like that. You know, if and you of course, go back, yeah. uh, it, well, if, if you go to the Suez Canal incident with uh, Egypt and where uh, uh, the president uh, of Egypt at the time uh, uh, nationalizes the Suez Canal and the uh, uh, well, the British, the yeah, the the British go down there, and they're not supported by the United States. And this particular event has been identified as that moment where the realization is the British Empire is no more, okay, uh, that form of it. Uh, is that pretty consistent with uh, what you guys have heard, you know, that, that particular event, the Suez Canal, and, and uh, you know, that... Anyway, that, historically, that's what people say identified a specific time in the British Empire. And, and I, I take exception to that. I, I believe it was the King David when, uh, when the Stern and the Ergen uh, terrorist gangs, supported by uh, the U.S. State Department, uh, destroyed uh, uh, the King David Hotel. And uh, I, I think that's the point. because. I'm not, I don't know if they had control. I guess they did have control of it back then but to that extent, Daryl, now that I think about it. Well, the, the, uh, there, there was massive arms were shipped out of uh, uh, army, uh, army depots yeah. and, uh, uh, to, that supported these people, uh, and the uh, Murder Incorporated was involved and the, uh, the Jewish Mafia and uh you know this was a this was a critical time this was right at the time when they were uh, taking down james forrestal uh because of his uh resistance to uh supporting the israeli state yeah. so uh, i mean uh, you know this this goes in in multiple directions but you have to ask yourself the question what is james forrestal the uh the state of israel 
Harry Truman, uh, JFK, and uh, uh, McCarthy all have in common. <laughs> okay, I mean, well, well, three of the guys, three of the guys got whacked. Okay, and mm-hmm. and, and and this is in this time period that we're talking about. Uh, there was a takeover that was uh, really occurring at at very high levels in the military industrial complex and uh, and, and the uh, executive branches and uh, agencies in the government. And uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, getting this agenda through for the state of Israel. So I think it all had to do with that. Yeah. Well, you know, Harry Truman. Harry Truman states, you know, uh, you know, you've, I mean, we've all heard the quote, I think, you know, he, he, he gets, he gets a memo from the, from the, uh, state department and, or it was either the UN or the state department or the, the Jews themselves. And he says, you know, he says, I, I don't know who can make these people happy. He says, even, you know, even Jesus Christ couldn't make them happy. He no, says, how am I supposed to make them happy? I'll tell you, I'll source that for or you. Someone. It was from Harry Truman's vice president biography and that story came out of the his biography and when they were dealing with giving israel statehood harry truman in some ceremony or some official thing turned to him and said jesus christ couldn't make him happy two thousand years ago what do you expect me to do the bombing of the king david hotel was on monday july 22nd of 1946 so that dates right there after that the british pulled their tails up and ran like scalded dogs out of there and left these bloodthirsty bastards to the whole territory now my question to you is what do you think the first thing the zionists did after the british left had a body they took over the communication system took over the phone system very first thing they did for what that's worth well the best thing we can do is let these people fall on their own petard i mean they've hoisted themselves they're going to fall on it it's the awareness is building all over the world and we do know this And you mentioned something very important yesterday, Daryl, that I had not thought about, was that the event line is merging with the timeline. Now, that's a really, really profound statement. I want to thank you for bringing it yesterday. It it was provocative to me, okay, because I think that's exactly what's happening. And when they have that situation occur, that the event line that they normally follow, they don't follow a timeline. But when those two converge, then they have to make decisions that are not well thought out, and they make mistakes. And that's our best ally right there. Their chutzpah, the word, they got their own word for it now, chutzpah. How's it spelled, Paul? C-H-U-T-Z-A-P-H or something? Chutzpah. Is how it's yeah, pronounced. I think and, right. and I yeah. can give you the example. When I first became aware of this, I don't know, 20 plus years ago, and in the early days of Wikipedia, before when there was still some truth on there, they hadn't got it out at it too bad. I went and looked that word up, okay? And they gave an illustration, and it's, it's since been taken out, all right? But I remember it because it struck me so hard. And the illustration of, of the word chutzpah, 
they used was the guy that was on trial for killing his parents. That's the scenario. And his defense was he couldn't have killed his parents because he was adopted. Yeah. That's Hutzpah. If you ever wondered what Hutzpah is, that's Hutzpah. Yeah. Well, and just as a tenuous... What, what happened in Iran and that the last few days, that's Hutzpah. Well, there's definitely um, there's definitely more to move on this, I suppose. But um, given his speech today, um, maybe maybe the use of this dramatic incident is now at an end, and they'll be uh, where are we now? Wednesday. They'll be preparing another one for next week as we speak. Um, the next bit of drama to distract well, everybody for another 40, you know, 48, 72 hour news the, cycle. The most amazing thing has happened. The market has recovered as if nothing happened. Hmm. Surprise! I suppose surprise. if you knew a, th- yeah, I suppose if you knew a thing or two about this beforehand, you might have done quite well. I wonder if anybody no, did. No, I'm sure they didn't. Uh, listen no. in that Willie interview, and Daryl, if you miss this, there's a new Jim Willie interview out there. It's excellent this morning. It goes into a lot of detail on all this stuff, and I mean detail. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but he, he was mentioning something in there that relates to what we were just saying, and it was profound, and I lost it. <laughs> It'll come back. I, I, I mean, have a habit of coming back. Like the swallows coming back to Capistrano. Mm. I uh, slightly just – it's still a link through into the sort of um, organized uh, Judaic issue. But I did uh, – we did a, an interview, a, a show, a discussion the other day with a um, a person over here called Alan Buttle, who does podcasts, and um, he's a researcher, really. You um, did this predominantly. Personally? You you did this personally? Yeah, yeah, the other day. Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I did it the other day, Monday or Tuesday, something like that. And uh, the reason I mention it is that um, he'd just done a a podcast recently for about an hour and a half, and that's what we were discussing. I'm not going to go into loads of details about it, but what he had. Um, unearthed or restored uh, um, and brought back uh, was the connection between organized Jewry and Ireland. And it, it, and it's very, very, it was amazingly interesting. First of all, because when you actually stitch those two things together in one sentence, it seems as though there wouldn't be one, (laughs) Uh, but there was. And it's absolutely enormously important they're because ubiqu- it turns out they're ubiquitous. You well, know. it well it turns out that the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, was in many ways um, a training station for the development of the Ergun and the IDF. There was a man called John Patterson who actually trained the IDF. You're <laughs> I'm kidding. serious. No, he's got a forest named after him with three thousand trees in it in Israel. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's brother is called Jonathan in honor of John Patterson. A rabbi um, that had come from Hungary or somewhere and ended up in Leeds, my hometown, in the late 1800s, went on to go over there, become the chief rabbi of Dublin for about three years, then went on to become, uh, went into the United Nations and ended up becoming part of the first uh, 
government to run Israel. I mean, it's just incredible. And uh, James Joyce, Ulysses, uh, his book, the lead character is about a Jewish gentleman, uh, Bloom, I think his name is, I can't remember the first name. I haven't read Ulysses. I have no intention of ever reading it. It's complete gibberish as far as I'm concerned. You have to finish it by next Wednesday. No, I'm, uh, some pieces of writing will never be touched by me, and that's going to be one of them. I can't. I've got there's too many there's too many sensible things to read. I'm not reading something bonkers like that. I can't be bothered with it. So um, you know, you have to sort of pick and choose, don't you, as you go. But the that. intertwining is amazing. And I there was a Jewish that. man called Edelstein, um, very interesting character, known as a bit of a firebrand within the Irish Jewish community at the turn of the last century who wrote a book called The Moneylender about your archetypical Jewish moneylender. And, of course, this appears to be extremely queer and at odds with things, right? It's part of this sort of psychological programming stuff. And uh, I got a copy of the illustration of the book. I haven't read the book. It might be possible, although I asked Alan yeah. if he'd got a copy, and he said no. It's been, it was published five, reprinted five times from 1908 to 1931 it was a bestseller and it was about the habits of jewish moneylenders in ireland because there were there were there was a lot of heaviness about this and uh, it rose up bad so it may be that part of that you know one of the observations i was making although i can't really justify i don't know a great deal about it as yet i'd like to know a bit more was that this is part of that plan of controlling the opposition you know lenin's dictum you know we'll control both sides of the argument and that way we can steer it however we see fit um which is part of it but the the really amazing thing about this book is that the cover was a drawing i think done by this guy um the author and it is literally of your archetypical hand-rubbing jewish merchant it's just i'm going what is going on here this is quite strange and odd so the relationship in ireland is uh very complicated and yet again i don't think it's so much that there's a an overarching plan other than one of continual nimble disruption in any and every direction possible for example the thing that struck me was that the so-called potato famine uh in ireland of course anybody that's looked into it there's no such thing there was not a problem with the crop. It was that the crops were being were being retrieved and removed by the British, uh, by people like me. No, not by people like me, under the command of the Freemasonic Order that was organizing all this kind of stuff. So if you want to look at sort of, you know, reaction, problem, solution, blah, 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 conflict, that kind of, you know, uh, ongoing dialogue uh, or the, uh, you know, that whole of that exchange of ideas to, to bring about outcomes. You've got a situation whereby the Irish are made bereft in the, in the 18th. A lot of people died. There's a lot of causative reasons to hate the British. So that's put in place. Then uh, Jewish people are uh, they would actually been in Ireland since the Edict of Expulsion, since 1219. It was very easy back in those times for them to move out of the main centres and hide in the countryside. It was relatively easy. Um, and so they've had a long, small but long-standing presence in that nation. And they then become the organizers of the Irish Republican Army to fight against the other side, which they also control, the Freemasonic side, which, which caused the potato thing. Of course, they're not really doing the fighting. Uh, and I can't lay all of the responsibility on them because there are obviously Freemasonic dupes involved and some of them have become very powerful and deceptive people in their own right. You know, they, they've booked their own ticket to hell 
Um, and I, I suspect, you know, as it says in the in, in scripture, these people are doubly damned in hell um, because of what they've done. But the, the, it's a labyrinthine series of relationships. It really is. Um, um, uh, training in guerrilla warfare. Jabotinsky was involved. He went over there to really? Dublin. Really? Um, yeah, there's a guy involved in the formation of the United Nations called Leonard or something. They're just all in there. And you're looking at it going, wow, this it really serious. So I was... There's still a lot more to chew through, but it was a wonderful, it was an opening up into a field I didn't know existed. See, there's still surprises along the way. Very interesting. Let me ask you a question for us mere laymen. Uh, uh, When I was a kid in the 60s, I guess, and all that was really going on, the conflict over there, the Irish Republican Army is the Catholic faction, right, fighting the Protestants? Yeah, well, it's yes, it is. It's the it's the army that wants the unification of Ireland under the Irish, um, which by definition would have meant a, a Catholic orientated uh, return to their mm-hmm. to their roots. Yeah, um, and of course, the, one of the things that we were discussing is um, there is this in history this adversarial relationship between the Irish and the English. But in real life, there has never been that relationship. What there has been, when Irishmen and Englishmen get together, it's great. <laughs> I really like Irish people. I have absolutely no problem. All, we don't have any problem at all. We're just we're basically blood brothers. Just there's a bit of well, sea between us. That's right? the problem that yeah. had to be alleviated. That's exactly then, what this then, is about. Because then you're a threat. Yeah. So if you think about what the British Empire did out of England. If you think about what it could have done if we'd have been unified more fully with Ireland and all these other things, right? I'm serious. It would have been much. It would have been even stronger. Uh, whatever we want to say it was that took place, as as we know, um, I think that that uh, that period of colonialism, whatever you want to call it, of expansionism, was go- was going to occur in the world it, uh, because it was because technology was creating boats and doing things. It was going to occur. So it was either that you were going to be taken over by the British or the Dutch or the Spanish or whoever. It just so happened that we had our act together better than anybody else, if that's the right word of putting it, and therefore Thunderdome did an awful lot more of it faster and more effectively than anybody else. You had more adequate funding, that's for sure. That's correct. That's part of it. Can we get a copy of these tapes? I'm really stimulated mentally by what you just laid out that I was not aware of all that either, and I think it's super when they name a forest in israel because of this guy it's important oh yeah okay when benjamin Netanyahu, whose brother is named after him in honor of him <laughs> it's amazing you go what I well so you've got guys like edmund de valera okay now he's probably part jewish you've got the, the whole thing when you start to see these figures yet again the agitating figures that you have to look at them and go hang on are these really irish people and it's like everything May else I- and we have it's fast. It's fa- it's amazing that yeah. I still I'm looking at people and I'm, I'm and sometimes my radar is not working well. Are, not have- that I actually think that this is the be all and end all of things, and it, I, I don't actually. I think it's you know uh, as we've addressed here, the key issue is the condition of of our own people, of myself, as it were, in relation to our own people and how we want to live, as opposed to be completely involved in a kind of reactive position against. Uh, agendas that are distributed over us by people who fundamentally don't have any of our interests at heart. Um, you know, so we never have any time devoted, very little time devoted to what we actually want. We're always on this sort of defensive position about what we don't want. And um, 
I'd like to get to the the real meat that's, of it. You well, know, that's but, why um, this, I, I'll bring it up at the forefront and beat the drum again. That's why my information is so important because that's the transition you make when you do it right there. Uh, Daryl, mm-hmm. put that book he was talking about on the radar screen for the library. The the Jewish money lender who was the author, uh, Paul Adelstein. Uh, Adelstein. Yeah. Yeah, stick that in yeah, on the, the moneylender by Edelstein. If you come, if you come across the picture, you won't believe it. That's on the front of yeah. the book. It's, it's hilarious. I went, I, what? Yeah. Nineteen hundred eight, and he did that. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. well, that's oh, a new I one just, too. I just came, I just came across this book you're, you're talking about. I just yeah. came across it two days ago. Did two you? Days ago. Well, yeah, there you I, go. It's, it's such a, it's such a quinky dink. Uh, Listen, uh, you're talking about the relationship between the English and the Irish. Uh, Well, uh, the the divisions go way back. The racist divisions go way back into the uh, early 18th century. Uh, And, uh, you know, most notably with uh, Lord Palmerston uh, in the 1820s. But uh, in a more contemporary fashion, if you read the personal writings of H.G. Wells yeah. in uh, his book. Uh, if, if, listen, for the listening Roger. audience, if you have not, if you have not read H.G. Uh, Wells' book called Anticipations, uh, you'll be dumbstruck and, and staggering around for days after you read it. You'll be flabbergasted, literally, literally gobsmacked by what this guy has to say. He identifies the Irish as being a loathsome, irreparable, uh, abject, degraded uh, DNA that uh, will, will never be able to be integrated and moved into uh, proper society. <laughs> okay? This is H.G. Wells. Yeah. All right. So, Can I? Uh, there's, Can I a little bit? There's... there's there's I would I would aspect. take issue with him on that. You see, I would take issue yeah. with him on that. Well, well, what about Churchill's uh, uh, absolute a... despising of the of the uh, uh, Indians? Churchill loathed <laughs> the Indians, not American Indians, the Indian Indians. Dots on the forehead. Chris, you wanted well, to say something, uh, and Murs joined us. Go ahead and finish up, Daryl. I apologize, Murs. Well, Go ahead. I'm. I'm. Uh, well, yeah, I want I'll, you to I'll yield to make, I want you to make your point. Chris had once say something, and Murr, as I said, has joined us. Chris, what's your two cents, there, bro? Well, I have a strong sense, being the linguistics and etymology guy that I am, and Paul's commentary uh, promotes me to offer up that when we talk about the terms we use to describe these people that live on Ireland that we're told today or Erland, as the case may be, uh, and we call them the Irish. Well, Ire is hate, and Ish is man in ancient Hebrew. Uh, for the Ish is for sure. Pretty, pretty and it's not without, without some consideration, I think, plausibly, that Ireland was actually originally after the diaspora by the group that fled Spain and perhaps the Middle East to go to that, Emerald Isle, termed Hebrew land. And, of course, they're pretty phenomenal for taking a letter or two out or anagrammically respelling words or putting new spells on them or reversing them. And if you take out the the B and the 
W, that leaves you with Ireland. And I'm not convinced that this nefarious force uh, conspiring to divide, to conquer the English and the British that got along famously, as Paul said, weren't the precipitating force behind the dichotomy, the Hegelian dialectic or dualectic, the false choice of the false paradigm, uh, leading to the same inevitable conclusion that they're going to be eternally at war with one another because of the machinations of these Zionist cabal. Well, that'd be their choice, I can yeah. promise you. Um, I, I we'll give. How about giving Paul McCartney the last word on the subject? Give Ireland back to the Irish. Murr, how you doing? You joined us early today. You're not in the last three minutes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to add a couple couple notes in here. Uh, Spirit had me uh, call into the Power Hour. I'd never done that before and gave them some of this information. But this Ricky Gervais thing, now we're skipping the point. They're already scrubbing it. It was about pedos and perverts. And Tom Hanks was really reacting. And just, of course, it was one of those coinkydinks. I'd been listening to Liz Crokin because I hadn't caught up with her for a while the night before, and I didn't even know the Golden Globes. So I, don't, I don't do TV or anything. But it was on her Instagram. And it's kind of a low vol- volume, but it's a bit that really uh, punctuates it, where he's saying, I don't care. You know, I'm calling you, you know. Yeah. And this is what it's all about, this deep state. And is involved with this in every country. Yep. Okay, I don't think we know about Salomini, all that was going on there, because they were doing stuff with Obama and everything, and Obama was sending pallets of cash. Oh, I'm sure he sent it all to them. He sent it to himself remotely, you can bet. <laughs> it was a lot. You know, the the like cash deal, the cash that was delivered, which was based on a treaty that was never signed or ratified by the Senate, was then evidently in the deal they cooked up, Murr, from what I've been able to pick up, then distributed to the main leaders of Europe like that, like uh, 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 Macron and Merkel, and that's why they went so ballistic when Trump negated this treaty that wasn't signed because it's going to expose all the payoffs that came out of that those pallets of cash. Yeah, and that nuke deal was no good for Iran. And Iran's not pure as sunshine either. Like I said, there's black state and black uh, deep state, whatever, in in every country because they're doing all this child trafficking and stuff. And I was just thinking before I called how Tesla said if we, you know, assigned to study what the unseen, they'd learn more in a decade than they have in hundreds of years. Well, guess what? They're using directed energy weapons that Tesla came up. So they are studying. Evidently. But they're doing the dark side. That might have started. They're doing the dark side of it only. They, those uh, blue rays, I have heard that people saying that they've got reports of that happening in Australia and being the start of some of that. Don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen any video, but that's what I've heard. Well, the quibble about that is Max Egan was just on, on um, Graham Hart and Bryser over at Grism's. Oh, and I'm going to send you a link. Uh, it has Buttle. That's Alan Buttle was the fella Paul English was talking about, bringing up all this history he's dug up about Ireland. Um, 
you know, because there's several several different things you can listen to. I'm really into listening. It's nice to read, but it's nice to well, just go and do something and listen. You to. know what? I've got two there because he he he. Well, let me. T- I'll just give you the link now if you want. To, if you, you you were quite titillating, Paul, because you alluded to two tapes, not only of the original one, but the one where you were on with him, which is the I'd love to hear both of them. Yeah, I, I, I get on with Andrew Carrington Hitchcock once a week, and uh, that, that would have gone out yesterday. But um, I'll send you the, uh, the link for that a little bit. And Well, if you want to find that one, you would go to andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Bit of a mouthful, I know, but there you go. andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Big. But for Alan's originating show, which also comes with gazillions of links to his, uh, much of his source material, which I think would be relevant here for those that want to tunnel in, if you go to podcasts.com, that's with an S at the end, podcasts.com, and just type in his name, Alan Buttle, B-U-T-T-L-E, it, uh, it brings all his shows up. And the latest one is this, episode 32, The Synagogue of Satan, Irish Republicanism, and Zionism. Ooh. And it's it's like a research report. So it's not like a radio show. It's like a research report. He's talking and, and through his research. And uh, it's very, very useful. It'll actually probably set up more connections that you need to make going forward. But it, but it opens it up. And I was... Uh, it was great to get this. It's just there's still pockets, and this is a big yeah. one of information to be picked up. Um, you know, Paul, you know, and this is well, this is big. Remember my yeah. statement and what hit me a few years ago is this: this dealing with what we're dealing with and and the way we deal with it is like standing there and looking at a scene with your arms outstretched, with your palms facing the scene that you're looking at. Okay, got the picture. And you mm-hmm. take a step I'm back. I'm doing it right now. Come yeah, on, carry okay. on. All right, you take a, take a step back, take a step back, yep. and the damn thing gets bigger. Mm-hmm. All right. Forget your Overton window. Just go outside. I mean, and I've been I've been digging down these tunnels for about 30 years. i got a pretty good handle on all these stuff and these guys and how they do stuff. And here today on this show, Paul brings us new information I'm totally unfamiliar with. It's it's a wonderful I know, I know. I was shocked. So the rabbi that kicked it all off, a, a pivotal figure, he mentioned him. I've forgotten his name at Herzog, I think it is. He came from my town, my hometown of Leeds. I was appalled. It was just terrible. I was hanging my head in shame. I didn't know what to do. Did no, he'd see- originally come from Hungary or Bulgaria or somewhere like that. Did did you see what happened but, um, over there in London this morning? I sent you the link. Did you look at that video? There's a short video of the guy because it was captured on cameras. Somebody that's a hospital technician is an avowed, self-avowed anti-Semite, and they got him breaking yeah. in a back window of a synagogue and pouring gas in there. And when he went to light it, the wind came out of the building, and it caught the match and caught his hair on fire. And he ran off laughing, okay? And the, the police evidently found him and whatever, and his hands smelled like gasoline, his hair is burned and all that. And he goes, yeah, I'm oh, an boy. anti-Semite. The, the video clips on uh, over, over on Zero Edge. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Oh, boy, it just gets more and more ludicrous, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know what to believe, but I'm sure somebody got their hair on fire, but the surrounding story, you're probably right, but, I mean, good gravy. What are you supposed to do with all this junk? It's just, there's just rivers of it, isn't there? It's just madness. And Paul and everyone, what I wanted to say was that grisms.blogspot.com has all those links Paul gave. Okay. All right, cool. That's I, great, Mo. Yeah, super. Yeah, so so I put Buttle in the search engine, and I'm going to send you that result in the email. So look for that, Roger. Oh, okay, okay, thank you, Mo. Appreciate it. 
you'll find you'll find that Caring, Andrew Carrington, Hitchcock, and Buttle Sight, and much, much more. Man, y'all have loaded <laughs> my day. Added. I gotta I gotta finish this E. Michael Jones sling with these two Kabbalists, which I'm fascinated to get to. And now I got all this new stuff heaped on me here. Yeah, well, I saw that about Lightman some time ago too. About his, he's just totally schizoid. Okay, <laughs> of course they're aliens. Yeah. And there's also a lot of Neanderthal in there. If you look into this, you'd be surprised. There's another another deep rabbit hole. <laughs> but look at Ron well, uh, Perlman, for example. <laughs> I, you know, hey, I saw a headline. You know how many women are, are have have accused Harvey Weinstein of raping them? He's on trial up there in New York, and I saw some clips of it on, on, I think, on Tucker Carlson, and it shows him as he comes down the steps from the courthouse, they got a walker right there at the bottom step so he can step into this walker and use a walker to get over to the car to get just absolutely any sympathy they can wring out of anybody that's got any uh, mm-hmm. ill-gotted sympathy <laughs> left in them for the sorry bastard. But yeah. he's got 80 women that are accusing him of rape. Yeah. Eighty, and that's probably not near all of it. I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. That Tiffany Fitzhenry I told you about, I was just looking at her site, too, and there's a woman there coming forward. You know, they don't want to come forward. I mean, who wants to mess with that? And the the, um, Me Too thing apparently was pretty organic, and then the the ones in on the gig uh, came up with a... Enough now or some, something when, to stop it. When they step forward, they get a little organization out of New York called Black Cube that's ex-Massad officers that's all over them. Yep. Yep, and they have women in there, so then they're trusting the women, but they're Mossad too. I mean, Lewinsky was Mossad, her father a rabbi, but we needed to go in and strafe the that, Balkans. That, that woman, that woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but they're I'm all a sad bunch of saps. It, it, uh, listen, yeah. it, and your your tag of them oh, yeah. at the first part of the show, Paul, of Alien, is is very interesting. Throughout the show, I've been toying with that, trying to keep up with everything else. But you know how they how they do all these words, and if you go back, what really registers with me, I don't know the the import of it at this point, but the comment that keeps coming into my mind is if you're studying the other word, resonant, and you go back to Vattel's Law of Nations, which is the standard in all of this, and early on some listener sent me copies of, of those pages dealing with resident and residency in Vattel's Law of Nations. And what struck me is back in that frame, he never used the word resident without a hyphen and the word alien. And they went in and dropped because that's very descriptive as to the legal function of it. But if you drop the word resident and then bastardize it and add this other dialectical definition in there, that's what they've done. And it revolves around the word alien. I'm not sure the significance of that, but it's what keeps rolling around in the back of my mind off of that conversation. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, no. uh, Paul and Rock, if I, if I might... I just want to uh, put in a plug here for this uh, Alan uh, Butel. Is that how you pronounce his name, uh, Paul? Buttle. Alan Butel. Alan Buttle. Alan Buttle. Uh, he was just on with uh, Tim Kelly on uh, a uh, podcast called Our Interesting Times, and uh, that can be viewed on uh, Podomatic. 
That's in the Grism uh, link, too. Grism.blogspot.com. Yeah, you just drop down on the side and put Buttle in the search, and you'll get them all. Tim Tim Kelly has, for the last two years, just been knocking it out of the park. Okay, he's he's got a hundred over a hundred and fifty around a hundred and fifty podcasts, and each and every one of them is a deep dive. And uh, you know, if you like to listen more, his his well, his repertoire. Of, oh yeah. yeah, I love his laugh. He's good. He has a good laugh. Yeah, Daryl, how do you spell your Daryl? Uh, uh, D-A-R-Y-L. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Do uh, you remember Michael Herzog when you were, and I don't think he's Jewish. I just think that's a German name, <laughs> you know, and they do take all the names. Do you remember Michael Herzog when you were riding uh, shotgun with him <laughs> for a yeah. while? Yeah, a couple but, times. Yeah. He, yeah. he told me the spelling, and I'd forgotten. So, anyway, because I know there's a oh. few. What's the one thing we're not hearing about Iran that was always on the menu? They're the last ones to not have a Rothschild central bank. Could be. Well, that's part of it, but that's not near all. I'm of not it, sure they're the ultimate. I don't, whenever I don't know that they're. Whenever you see history, two ethnic groups pitted against each other, dig deeper. They're in there. The Ferris sure. are in there without, somewhere. Without a doubt. I think there may be more than just one, but there's not very many. Okay, and I, it it changes so rapidly. North Korea, they, North Korea is the other one, okay, and there's a there third. One, yeah, well, they're yeah, they're, they're under the thumb, you know. They're well, so if they do give them a central bank, then we can write a letter to the Rothschilds and just tell them that they've got to hand over the all the stock ownership That's in right. the global central banking system to I the people. Want, I want my stock. You want your share, don't you, Roger? Uh, you know, don't you I want do. your share in, I've been fighting in the Fed? My, I've been fighting for it my whole yeah. damn life. <laughs> Come on. Just deputize all these rally-goers for Trump, hundreds of thousands, and we can go do whatever we need to do worldwide. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, part, whatever, part Mr., whatever Mr. Trump is with, with all of his faults, he's a hell of a lot better than if we got Hillary Clinton in there. All this stuff would have gone on four years ago. Yeah. We'd be a this lot is, further down the road. Straight. Yep. Listen, Jews caused the Civil War by um, Wally Martin. It's a two-part thing, and it's very good and thoroughly researched. And Eli, uh, Pastor Eli, read it over many weekends uh, last year, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. could find that to listen to yep. if you wanted to. And they started it but, uh, to set the 14th Amendment in place so they could pull this off 150 years later, Murr, I guarantee you. A whole lot of things. Here's another thing. They brought in all these Irish yep. so they could be cannon fodder. Yep. The Confederate flag looked close enough to Union Jack to fire them up. Well, most of the Confederate generals had communist ties. There were many of, the, many of that that came out of the mid-1800 German revolutions that failed, and those people came to the States, and they were very heavily involved in the northern side of that little conflict, and that's proven history. Well, we know Jews, Jacob Schiff, and we have Judah Benjamin. But um, I, I know some people personally, you know, because then you get the, the races mixing, all right? Beautiful kind of tawny, uh, kind of uh, copper-colored, uh, high-strung black woman. And her friends used to always say, how come you have white people hair? And her great-granddad had a couple of Irish wives. You know, he, he was free. Yeah, they used them as breeding stock. I mean, this is really—it's a terrible thing to say, but this is the this is the case. 
And uh, the Irish have been demonised. They've definitely been demonised. You're just referring, you know, Daryl was referring to H.G. Wells' assessment of it. Mm -hmm. But it's not the case when Englishmen actually meet Irishmen. It just isn't the case. It's garbage. Right. Uh, When normal people meet each other, we just get on. It's great. It's fine. It's like Irish, Irish and Italian Catholics, the original Shia and Sunni. They got along. I, I saw an interview many years ago before G.H.W. Bush got a got into it real big. An elderly man, and he was Shia, and his wife was Sunni. It's no big deal. They've got a very it's, it's, a, it's a really important place. Is Ireland? You know, it's, they say it saved Christianity at least once because it did. Uh, the, the, uh, if if you're into the idea of, of Catholicism being Christianity, I'm not necessarily into that idea, but they preserved documents because most of mainland Europe had lost everything, but the monks in Ireland restored it all back. This is true. Mm-hmm. There's also another story, uh, an apocryphal tale maybe. I, I don't know what to make of it, and I don't have anything in front of me. But when Caesar came here, when the Romans finally came here and did us over, you know, the big question is why did they not go and take Ireland? Seriously, what, why wouldn't you do that? Well, apparently the story goes that he was actually taken over to Ireland and shown something. He was informed by one of the the current long kings of Ireland that they couldn't come here. You cannot come here, and I'm going to show you why. And he was shown something, and they they didn't go. This sounds wonderfully Mm -hmm. mysterious, which I quite like, and I've got nothing to back it up. But it seems to be part of it. And the other thing as well is that the the name, the old name for Ireland is Hibernia, Yes, which right. is connection yeah. to the right. Hebrews, and the Hebrews ain't the Jews. That's that's the key thing. Boy, usually yeah. our shows are good, and they end provocatively. This one is particularly so. Paul, thank you so much for your kicking off the year with us, and it's a really good show with a lot of meat in it today. I like meat, and we got a lot to chew on. Hey. Everybody that participated, okay, Mer, close out the show thing? for me. All right, New York Times had an. I had a thing about hypersonic missiles and about the former CUD before the event. Okay. Last word from her. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to listen to some of these audios. I suggest you do the same, and we can talk about them manana in la manana. See you then. Thank you, Paul and guys. Ciao, ciao.